Hello and welcome to Riven Pod, <laughs> the only podcast who had to uh, search for, find, pack up, move into a new condo in a little over a month. Yes, a little over. <laughs> but we did it, and uh, yes, much apologies for the hiatus. That was a lot longer than I thought it would be. But well, hopefully, like uh, now we can just start to do it or episodes in a more regular basis. Yes, I mean, the good news is that the series still hasn't come out yet. No, so no. <laughs> there wasn't that much to cover in the interim. Of course, there are a lot more subjects that we want to get into uh, about the background and history of Lord of the Rings. Of course. Uh, but today we wanted to focus more on the production of the TV show, since mm -hmm. this is a Lord of the Rings uh, <laughs> TV series podcast. Uh, I thought that might be a good idea. Yeah, we were kind of focusing a little bit more in the lore recently, so I guess it's time to come back to the TV show again. Yeah, we want to try to be well-balanced. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, we're going to take a look at the directors and mm -hmm. the writers and uh, the producers, of course, and just look at their resume and uh, see if we can draw any conclusions about what the series will feel and look like. Yeah, see what they did before and maybe like uh, give us a little bit of a hint of like uh, what we, we can expect from them. I guess we should start with the... But I think you have some news that uh, you want to comment. Do I? I think you did. I don't know. Now I feel awkward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a little bit of news, actually. Oh? Um, not, like, crazy. Breaking news, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely not breaking news by this point, but we've been on hiatus for so long. Yeah, they actually announced the wrap date for season one which will be July 30th. So, I mean, as this podcast comes out, that's still in the future. But basically, they were announcing that they were going to finish, like, a week early. Ooh. Which is maybe a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it well, definitely... Th this means that there is not going to be delays. Yeah, like, there won't be any further delays, exactly. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and also, it will probably be, like, under budget, or at least at yeah. budget, although... Who even knows if they have a limited... Yeah, I don't think money <laughs> was a problem in this TV no, show at all. So. money is not <laughs> an issue. Um, but yeah, so that's good news. It sounds like everything is going according to plan. Yeah, okay. So yeah, nothing exciting on that No, front. no, but well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I thought we could start with the directors. Yeah, I think so. Uh, of course, the director is going to be responsible for the look of... Mm -hmm. the series, and especially the person directing the first two episodes, Yes, um, who is... Juan Antonio García Bayona. Amazing. <laughs> 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 or, as he's credited here, J.A. Bayona. That he born in 75, but don't look like that he he's that know. old. He looks maybe our age. Yeah, seriously. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, he's looking great. <laughs> um... So he's actually a really interesting director for one particular film, which is The Orphanage. Yes. Which is one of my favorite horror movies ever. That is probably what he's like a most famous for. It's a 
not old movie, but it's already for 2007. No. So it is just already like a time ago. And it has like an interesting connection because, um, of course, the orphanage, it was brought over to North America by Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. And, of course, infamously, Guillermo del Toro (laughs) was going to be the director of the Hobbit films until all of that drama happened. So I'm kind of, it's kind of interesting to see, like, it's all full circle. It's all connected. <laughs> I am Charlie connecting new pictures <laughs> with the red thread. So yeah, like, the most of his filmography, at least until, like, uh, recent times, was in Spain. Uh, he did, like, a lot of movies that, I mean... Do even, you know uh, his, uh, like, I own, of the Spanish films, I only know The Orphanage. No, I mean, like, uh, the most of these films, like, uh, some of them, I just hear about them, but, like, uh, I didn't, like, uh, know them. Uh, I think it's also, like, uh, they was the director of The Impossible. Yes. Uh, that also is, like, uh, important. He did The Impossible 2012, but he did one that I think it is only, I don't know, it's only Bible in Spanish, that is like a nine days in Haiti. That mm-hmm. is like a short movie about like a, well, it was in collaboration with like an NGO and basically they kind of like show the poor conditions of like a child in Haiti. Right. And I think it's a kind of like, it's not disconnected of like an impossible, but it's a kind of like a, like a crude, a kind of like a, Crude is not the word, like a... Rough? Yeah, they go like a punch punch of reality in your, in your face, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like so, a, you know, like yeah. a... <laughs> Showing like the stark reality that we live in. It's, like, yeah, exactly, without too many... No filters. Hashtag no, no filters. I, I didn't watch The Impossible, by the way, but for the people that they oh, watch it... I did. Say that it's quite rough in some moments like uh i love it it i you know i cry very easily at movies but i (laughs) cried through the entirety of that movie (laughs) i I just i mean i love disaster movies so but yeah fantastic story probably they just as a director because the the family involved was spaniards if i'm correct I, I, yeah, maybe. I yeah. actually didn't realize, because, of course, the cast is, in, well, you know... <laughs> of, well, of course, because it's a Hollywood movie in the yeah, end of the day, so... Yeah, we have Ewan McGregor, like... <laughs> <laughs> but I think we we should talk about the uh, dinosaur in the room. Well, before that, <laughs> uh, because connected with the orphanage, it is the movie called, like, a Monster Call. Yes, which I haven't actually seen, but I really wanted to. And he received, like, awards from that movie... I think was f- like a finalist in Cannes, mm-hmm. and also was like a I don't know if it's a finalist of have like the winner of like San Sebastian. It's another like a famous uh, European based like um, awards movie. So they kind of like a it is like a continue with the genre. But yes, we should talk about the dinosaur in the room. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, don't at me, but it is the worst Jurassic Park movie. Yes. (laughs) Like, it's it's so bad. Like, the third one is so much better compared to the nonsense, which honestly is like two completely different movies. Oh, yeah. I mean... Like, the first half is kind of like a Jurassic Park movie, and then the second half is a horror movie. With a, a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, as, a, as as the main monster. A, a dinosaur gun. 
Yeah, but they have this kind of moral there. But the real monster is the, are the humans. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it's so so bad. <laughs> and probably it is one of our favorites. Of our favorites, we meet the most hilarious scene ever. <laughs> that is when they live in the aisle. It is one dinosaur <laughs> that is like a looking at the ship <laughs> and like a crying like. As as the lava flow comes down the mountain and envelops the dinosaur, it rears up and calls out an egg. <laughs> Say like a mother, don't leave me. It was so over the top. It was so schmaltzy. They want to do it dramatic, but they they reach the peak of ridiculousness that I ever seen before. I, I want it on a t-shirt. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I feel very conflicted when I look at this director's it's resume. Like a, because I, I understand that they did it for paid bills. Yeah. That is fine. But, but you're not. What happened here? I can only assume that that job was just, yeah, it was a paycheck. So he w- didn't go there to express his artistic vision. Oh, no. He but, just went there to, like, point the cameras in the right direction and maybe give the actors some motivation. But, you know, he's just following the studio uh, notes. And a little bit damage control, but probably yeah. <laughs> probably was not be able to save that movie. Well, <laughs> considering he does have a bit of a horror background, I, I'm a little worried that he's responsible for, for the, the second, second part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably the part where the dinosaurs, they're oh. like a gans, he cannot touch that so it's like a, well I have this so how can I oh <laughs> how God. can I improve them you know oh it's oh it's so dumb so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it kind of makes me wonder if they might be trying to go into sort of like a creepy direction like kind of where Guillermo del Toro was leading the Hobbit films originally a little bit and also maybe because he just like a direct impossible they tried to give a little bit like an epic look yeah. in the beginning. It could be. Because one thing that I need to, like, I want to point is, like, um, uh, the other two directors that we're going to talk about in a moment, they are, like, a mostly, like, a TV show directors. But these men, I think, like, I only make movies before. Mm-hmm. So He's, like, a real director. So <laughs> I, I, maybe they want to give, like, a little, like, a tone epic in the beginning yeah. with, like, a Bayona, you know, to... To, like, give a punch to the show. Because basically, like, the director of the first episode, he's going to set the style. So every subsequent director is really just going to be mimicking his style. So you, yeah, you want to get a real director for the first couple episodes. So, you know, in the first two episodes, give, like, a movie-like to, like, catch the, 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 like, the tempo. And then, you know, the, the, like, the... The, the TV show directors continue with the job that probably they're, like, the most adequate for for, like, a, these kind of shows, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're all amazing directors. Of, co- I mean, we'll, of course we'll, they are. We'll get to them. We're not trying yeah. to let... We're just kind of teasing. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I guess I should probably also mention that, I mean, Peter Jackson also had a horror background. So there are a, a lot of moments in the Lord of the Rings trilogy that, ha- like, especially the moments with, like, the orcs, like, that have very, like, creepy, gritty, like... 
even slasher film quality to them. We must, I mean, like, obviously, can the, the fantasy, horror, and science fiction, there are three genres that are kind of connected a little bit. Yeah, like, you can't have a giant spider without dipping into the horror genre. Exactly. I think the three, they are, like, connected, and the people that li- like one genre normally kind of, like, like the other two as well. I mean, in my case, it's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think for the most of people, will be like a similar. So, yeah. kind of like a... I, I think it's a good ma- match, is I guess what I'm trying to say. I think so. Like, I feel very positive about it. I think it's, it's going to feel very similar to Peter Jackson's trilogy, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. Yep. <laughs> so, that makes me feel good. I that, guess. So, Bayona is going to be the director for the two first episodes. Yes. So, the other episodes... So, like, uh, Wayne Yip is going to be the director from the episode 3, 4, 5, and 6. And, like, uh, Charlotte Branston will be the director of the two last episodes, 7 and 8. Yeah. So, we'll take a look at Wayne Yip next. Mm-hmm. He's actually a, a Doctor Who lot. Um, yeah. Which, uh... Is, I, I think probably it is why he's more, like, uh, famous for... Yeah, like, he comes from British TV, so most of his credits are directing episodes. Um, he is a director... Well, I actually keep meaning to make you watch it, but Dirk Gently's, which is another Lord of the Rings oh. connection, of course, because Elijah Wood starts in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I I just, like, uh, take a look of the most of the TV shows. I personally don't know, don't know the most of them. Like, uh, I know, like, Doctor Who, of course. Like, uh, especially she was director during the um, end of the Peter Cavaldi season, like the last season, that is the 10th. Mm-hmm. And also she directed the special, the New Year special for the season 11. Yeah, so he, he directed both Peter Cavaldi and Jodie Whittaker, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I'm more familiar with the Cavaldi episodes, but... He's a like pure a TV, TV show director. director. So, I mean, I, I guess this is very well suited to his talents. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And, like, uh, she's going to make four episodes, so she's going to make basically half of the season. Uh, he's also attached to The Wheel of Time, which is interesting, because that's another oh. big fantasy series that's being adapted. Although, I, every, I don't know, every time I hear about it, it sounds like it's going to be awful. <laughs> I'm not a big Wheel of Time fan, so I don't really care, but whatever. This is not a Wheel of Time podcast. It's not even a Game of Thrones podcast. <laughs> it's an Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings podcast. Despite that sometimes appears some reference to Game of Thrones, but there is not. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, most of his stuff just kind of looks pretty, like, sci-fi, action-y. So hmm. I, I guess that kind of makes me think that we're going to get a lot of action. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really expect it anyway. Yeah. So. This is not like a new revelation. No, it's not really. But I think, you know, we're going to get a lot of slick CGI. We're going to get a lot of like yes. really epic battle scenes. Like, no, it's it's good. This is all good news. Um, the last one is like a Charlotte Branton. <laughs> that is like a Swedish French director. Yeah. and Very artistic. And the, the most of his her career was mostly in French, like the most of like the... the she started to make like um, TV movies, mm-hmm. originally. Uh, all of the titles are in French, so I'm assuming that is like a, <laughs> like a designer to like the um, French television. Yeah. And she kind of like moved to like the... 
like a, the TV shows around like a 2012. Mm-hmm. And she have like a kind of like a famous uh, shows actually. Like uh, she have um, like a Grey's Anatomy, like mm-hmm. episodes, have Outlander, yeah. have The Witcher, have Jupiter's Legacy that we are actually watching. Like uh, oh. uh, we are like we're going to talk about liking, Jupiter's Legacy liking it later. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she have like a great like a like a like a curriculum so far. Well, she's an extremely experienced director. Yes. We should restate that. Like, when we're talking about these, like, French TV movies and TV mm-hmm. shows, I mean, these are from, like, the 80s and 90s. Like, she's been working... Yeah, for a long time. ...for decades. Um, so, and a lot of procedurals, which... A lot kind of? of? Procedurals, uh, cop shows. Oh, yes. I, I noticed have, like, a Chicago PD. And I'm like, are, are they going to have, like, a murder FBI? mystery in an episode? <laughs> <laughs> like, who shot the elf? <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, seems like a good cast as well. Yeah, I think she sounds great. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I, I don't know. I just don't see how a lot of the things that she's worked on will relate to Lord of the Rings. I mean, obviously, except for The Witcher. Yeah, um, well, uh, maybe... Also, a lot of these things are kind of sexy, like Outlander, <laughs> Witcher. Like, those are very sexy shows, and... You know, I know there's a lot of fear online that yes. Lord of the Rings is going to, like, try to be, like, Game of Thrones, like, try to really sex it up. And I think, I, I personally think that would not suit Lord of the Rings at all. Or, like, or, or, or not the level of the Lord, no, Lord of the Rings. Like, like Lord of the Rings, it's romance. It's not yeah. sex, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not saying that they can never kiss or, like, <laughs> you can never insinuate sex, but we don't need to have sex position. No, know? no. <laughs> like, but, well, but as, as you previously commented, because she's going to direct the episodes after Bayona and Jeep, mm-hmm. she's going to need to match a little bit the style, yeah. like at a certain point. So she probably will be limited about like how much, how far she can go in this yeah. in the sexuality in the TV show. Yeah, exactly. So I think probably we can be safe. I mean, I, <laughs> in that I, regard, I don't think that they will. But no, nah, I don't think you. You never really know. <laughs> this could be a complete disaster. In fact, I mean. Okay, I said I want to talk about Jupiter's legacy, and I do. I, I'm just gonna slip it in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. I, I do think this is relevant, and I I think I haven't told you this because I I wanted to watch season one with you and allow you to enjoy it. Yes. But they have canceled Jupiter's legacy. <gasps> yes. <laughs> now here's the crazy thing about this, but here's how it connects to Lord of the Rings, because. Netflix purchased Jupiter's Legacy as part of a package of Mark Millar's work, of, like, the Millar world. Um, the Dames of it is the, the writer that created. Yes. Uh, Sometimes I forget that you're not a comic book nerd no, like I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so they purchased all of this work by Mark Millar, okay. uh, including Jupiter's Legacy, and this was supposed to launch, like, basically a, a Netflix version of the Marvel 
universe. Basically, yeah. in his work. And I believe the price that they paid for all of this was like $300 million. What? It was a shit ton of money. Not quite as much as what Amazon spent on the Lord of the Rings rights. Yeah. But not too far away. <laughs> I mean, they must have be sure they're going to make the money back. So here's the thing, right? So they spent all this money. They invest all of this time and effort into the first season of this show. And they release it into the world. And they canceled it like less than a month after it came out. Because it didn't get the viewership that they were expecting. Oh. Now, they haven't completely nixed the series because they're currently now adapting a spin-off series, so set in the same world as Jupiter's Legacy. Mm -hmm. But they're apparently done with Jupiter's Legacy. So now, when you think about this, <laughs> and you think about how much money they spent on this and how readily they were to cancel it, yeah. it really makes me wonder about the Lord of the Rings show because... It just goes to show that there's no guarantee that this is going to get a second season. You know, like, if it doesn't get the viewerships, it's very possible that this could get, like, dropped the way that Jupiter's Legacy was. It's so crazy to I, me. I think it's a little different in the meaning that uh, Jupiter's Legacy, as you say, was, like, a very serious economic investment. But for, like, Amazon, it is not only, like, the money that you spend in the TV show. It's also the world channel because like the Lord of the Rings TV show is gonna be like the flagship. They try to use this to give it like a push. Oh, to give it like a boost. Yeah, yeah like a compete with like the Netflix, compete with Disney. So it is not only like the how much viewers like watch this TV show, but how much is gonna help to push like the company up. So I don't think they're gonna cancel it because it is more what is like a in stake with like a lot of the rings that what it is like in with your personal legacy. But I also know that they're gonna be um, having they're gonna have multiple shows based off of the Lord of the Rings material. <laughs> so I kind of it makes me wonder if they might even like try to do like a more standalone season. Like I think we talked about them possibly doing that like. You know, the ways that they could do this is, like, with one continuous story, like, following a character, yeah. or make it more, like, serialized. Like, yeah. each, you know, almost like American Horror Story, where, like, every season, you know, maybe some of the same characters might pop up. Especially but... because the second age is so wide. Mm -hmm. They can just make, like, a small capsules, where, like, each season tells you one different story in the second age, Places in like a different and like a moments during the second age of the series is huge. Yeah, exactly. And then that way, you know, if you don't get the viewerships and you need to pivot this the series, you know, you're not leaving people on a cliffhanger like they did with <laughs> Jupiter's Legacy. <laughs> Especially, I was thinking about that from the human characters. Yeah. Because the elves they are immortal. Right, but the humans die fast. So if if you kind of invest too much in like a create like a human characters give it you know like a personality like a background like a deep, and then it's gonna die. I know <laughs> it's like getting attached to your goldfish, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that would be you know very dramatic. It might yeah. might be interesting. It might underline the tragic mortality of mankind. Something, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see about that. So we're going to talk about a little bit about the writers as well. Yes. My favorite people. 
So, we've got a lot more writers yes. to go through. A few more. <laughs> um, but uh, we can start with Jason Cowhill. Yes, he's the one that have like, uh, in the first, I guess, if not the main, like, yeah. uh, one of the most uh, famous. Yeah, he's he's got quite a lot of uh, good credits. I mean, the one that really jumps out to me is The Sopranos. Yes. Because that's one of my favorite TV shows. Well, it's always good to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that, I mean, the most of this TV show, they are not old, but uh, maybe not the most recent ones. Have a lot of, like, uh, 90s and, like, uh, 2000s. He hasn't actually worked a lot in, like, the last decade, which I think is interesting. Yeah. I don't know, maybe he was taking time off, but he's, like, really active in the 90s and then... Probably he just become more selective with like the kind of like well, work he has. <laughs> I don't know if TV writers have the luxury of being selective, <laughs> but uh, I mean he certainly landed the best job in TV right now, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I don't get too much of a sense of the writing direction from his resume because it's just all over the place. Like there's. Family dramas, there's police procedurals. You have ER. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a Fringe, which is like a sci-fi kind of uh, X-File-y thing. And yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it really could go any direction with this No, guy. I mean, my impression is like a, have like a quality TV shows, but not a particular style that we can yeah. Like, uh, identify from here. I'm resume. much more interested in this next guy, Justin Dobble. Um, because he's actually a writer for Stranger Things. Yes. He may, he also made like a... Also French. Yeah, that do it as well. Mm-hmm. He also probably have like a more recent, like he also made like a Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. He made like a Emerald City. That is, like, a touching a little bit more in the fantasy, like, a kind of, like, a genre. Yeah, that's, like, a, a Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. riff. They have, like, a Into the Badlands that is a little bit more action-y and, like, a, maybe a little bit, I wouldn't say dark, but, you know, more, like, a mature, maybe. Like well, there's definitely, show. like, a, there's a kind of dark subject matter in pretty much all of his writing <laughs> credits, which... I think, you know, again, from what I'm seeing, I'm I'm just seeing a lot of like leaning towards maybe a Dark. darker tone, yeah, yeah. Like a scare like maybe a little spooky in times. I I, I am like a happy with that if, I think if, that if it would is the be case. Really cool. All right. Uh, next we got Jennifer Hutchinson, uh, who I mean, we got Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. So um, that right there. Yes. What um, else do we talk about? <laughs> those like as far as writing goes, those are the two best TV shows to come out in the past decade. Yeah, I mean, really the US. So, that's excellent. <laughs> and they have also X-Files. And X-Files. Again, okay, we're heading in that kind of creep factor. They have, like, a Mad Men as well. Another really Like amazing. a... Well, that's actually Assistant. Uh, or What's Assistant? Yeah, so I wouldn't count that one. It's probably worked in the writer's room as, like... The writer's assistant, you know, fetching coffee. But anyway, she would have like. He also have like heard a, the writers talking and learned from them. Like a one show in the Star Trek, also in the early works, are probably like as assistant, but still. Yeah. 
again, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Like, there's no finer yeah, like TV her. shows to have on your resume. So, I, you know, I think we're going to get really good character drama. You know, like, writers from The Soprano, writers from Breaking Bad, like, to me, that just tells me character-driven stories. And like, Mad Men is also completely like a character Absolutely. TV show. Absolutely. Like, this is great news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get a character-driven horror series. <laughs> With a little bit of uh, uh, supernatural. Well, I guess we're going to have ghosts and stuff. All right, let's talk about John Payne, who has the best name of the writers. <laughs> uh, also a producer. This person has, like, nothing on their resume. Nothing. Star Trek Beyond, and as an uncredited writer... Because that was actually Simon Pegg was credited as the right. So he was oh. probably a, a script doctor. Yeah. Just come in and, like, spice it up a little. And then he's got, like, eight upcoming pro- projects, including Flash Gordon oh. and, and Lord of the Rings. So I have no idea if this is a good writer or not. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm excited for Flash Gordon. Like, I'm not, uh, yeah. not related, but... Well, this isn't a Flash Gordon podcast. <laughs> um, anyway. So then I have, like, a Brian Coleman. Yeah. That he worked Game in... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Which, obviously, is a good fit. Yes, I think so. And I honestly, I don't know anything of his previous work. No, it's just Game of Thrones. I mean, probably he was pretty much absorbed. Yeah. Like, doing, like, all of these years. I think years. if you're working on Game of Thrones, you don't have time for anything else. No. But still, I think it's, like, uh, good news. They have something that catch me my attention, that is Stephanie Folson, that his main contribution is Toy Story 4. Yes. Well, I was going to go to Stephanie next. Mm. Um, yeah, Toy Story 4. And as well, like, a Star Wars Resistance, that is like a, like a animated TV show about Star Wars. That is completely in a different direction than all of yeah, the, all of the writers. Yeah, to go from a- writing for animation to writing for live action. I mean, I know it's not that different, um, For me, it is more like the tone. This, this both like yeah. a TV show. They're like a super happy and positive, mm-hmm. and all the other writers just give us completely the opposite. It's like you know, <laughs> serious, mature, like a, even dark at some point. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe they needed some jokes thrown in, or maybe they want to like a balance it. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> You know, you, you kind of need writers of a different variety here and there. <laughs> All right, well, next we got Glenice Mullins. Yep. At least I believe that's how you pronounce it. Um, who's only got one writing credit for Grey, which is like, they also directed it? Yeah, they're the writer, director, and producer of this. Yeah, the others I have are editorial development that I don't really know what to I don't to really know for. what that means either. But they, yeah, they made this short film. But they, well, like in this world, they made one movie for Termination, that is Genesis. Terminator. Yeah, Terminator Genesis. <laughs> and but yeah, they weren't a writer. They were, well, probably a writer's assistant. 
And but the most of the movies they are like I was working with kind of like action or like yeah, a, a, I mean, a, action heavy Terminator like that's pretty action. And then this gray film looks like a artistic little film. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that she made her own short film now. Mm-hmm. All right, and then we got one more Helen Chang. Yep. Who is uh, partly responsible for 13 Reasons Why. I say partly responsible because obviously it was based off of a, a novel. Yeah, but how, how do you adapt it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got mixed feelings about 13 Reasons Why. Oh, I, I didn't have watched in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's about a girl who commits suicide and then she like sends tapes to all the people she blames for her suicide and like mm. forces them to listen to her talk about why she committed suicide like it's the single most teen angsty series ever anyway i i don't think it's great i think it's a little exploitative yeah. um she's also a writer on hawaii 5 which is yep. hilarious and, uh, and also in Hannibal. Hannibal, which amazing, and again horror. I don't know how jump from like Hannibal to Hawaii Five O. That is, <laughs> <laughs> it. You know what? You gotta work. Hannibal. I got, know. Hannibal got canceled. So hey, Hawaii Five O, are you hiring? <laughs> she made also like um, a movie called Hammer uh, Here. Uh, the booking phantoms, yeah, like a more horror. horror, and something called like a distance. That seems like a, some like a sci-fi-ish movie. Well, and another called a horror haiku. Yeah, that is well, <laughs> which I, I, we're watching by the way, because excellent title. <laughs> <laughs> As you can assume, it's like a horror movie. It's a series. Or oh, it's, like, a, it's a series actually. Yeah, maybe like a series of shorts or something. So we're getting also a lot of like a horror vibe. I think yeah, or, or dark vibe. I think from especially like the well. the orcs and stuff. I think they're gonna build it up as like basically monsters. Yeah. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of creep factor. I think where Game of Thrones sort of leaned on sexuality, I think Lord of the Rings might try to lean on horror as, uh, I mean, you can't just stick with like high fantasy the entire time. You got to mix it up a little bit. Yes, here and there. of course. So I think we're going to get obviously a lot of romance, uh, and I think we're going to get a lot of horror and that makes me really excited. Yeah. I think it is good that they kind of like, uh, try to create his own personality, you know, that tried his own, like, a well, again, I, mini genre outside. I, the, I mean, I feel like it's in keeping with the Peter Jackson adaptations, which I think had a lot of horror elements in there. Hmm. So I think they're trying to, like, you know, not mimic Peter Jackson, because obviously there's probably some copyright issues with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think they, they want to kind of keep, like, with the same atmosphere... Atmosphere? Atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> atmosphere of the films, especially because you're going to want to keep the same fan base. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I think it could really work. Hmm. 
So I guess we should take a look at the producers. Yeah. So I think Callum Green is the guy that we really got to talk about. He's the only one that's like listed as an executive producer for all nine episodes. I mean, as far as we know, we obviously don't have the complete cast list when the episodes come out. Um, But yeah, so Callum Green, he is responsible for a lot of sci-fi and horror movies. Okay. Uh, inc- In the line. <laughs> including everyone's favorite Star Wars film, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh my. Um, the Guillermo del Toro horror movie, Crimson Peak. And uh, <clears throat> The Hobbit. <laughs> Pacific Rim. Okay. And then a bunch of other non-sci-fi movies. <laughs> including Marie Antoinette. But okay. anyway, uh, I think his most recent producing credits uh, kind of show why he ended up as a producer <laughs> of The Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like a pretty much in the line to all of the, the directing yeah. and um, writing that was like a... You know, so I would say 50% of these are com- competent. <laughs> <laughs> But well, we see like a both horror and action. I mean, I think it's no secret by this point that I'm not a big fan of the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies. <laughs> and uh, I think it's very clear now that I'm not a fan of The Rise of Skywalker. No, I am um, not a fan either. I've seen Crimson Peak. I did not love it. I felt it was very mediocre. Mm, I, I haven't watched it. I personally love Pacific Rim. I me too. But I know that is a movie people have very mixed feelings about as well. Yes, I'm not like super confident with this guy as an executive producer. Well, I just like uh, hope that uh, all of the time she spent with like uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Like a uh, payoff. <laughs> so other producers we have... Um, Belén Atienza. Who looks like to be a long-time producing partner with Bayoga because she's got produ- producing credits on The Impossible, on uh, Jurassic Park, or sorry, Jurassic World, yeah. Dinosaur Gun, uh, The Orphanage. So okay, yes. they've, they've clearly been working together for years. Uh, I like it when teams kind of come together. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Most of the producers are the writers. Yeah, I, I noticed that a lot of them, they say, write a producer yeah. in the IMDb um, Non-writing producer, we got Bruce Richmond. Uh, he is a producer from The Earth to the Moon, which is a great documentary series from, like, over 20 years ago about, <laughs> well, the NASA space program. So... Not related, but... No, but also, but like, like this guy hasn't worked for 20 years. I don't know. This sounds like one of those producing credits that's like, this guy just wanted to invest money in a movie and And get a producing credit. They appeared. (laughs) We allow them to be in the set and and make like an opinion. They get to take selfies with the actors. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Another producer we haven't talked about yet, Sharon Tal Iguado. Not a lot of credits, certainly nothing I recognize here. Executive producer on Outcast, The Listener, Single Dads. I have no <laughs> idea. 
Uh, we got Lindsay Weber, who's a much more interesting producer. Um, they did uh, a lot of sci-fi movies, including Overlord, uh, The Cloverfield Paradox, which is awful. <laughs> Just a bad movie. Star Trek Beyond, Moonshot, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is surprisingly good. And something called Morning Glory. Mm. Oh, that was like a rom-com. Okay, that's like a really weird list of... (laughs) Morning Glory sounds... (laughs) I know! (laughs) I was a little confused for a second. (laughs) Um, Anyway, mostly sci-fi. There's a lot of sci-fi producers, which... I mean, it makes sense because sci-fi sense. fantasy, really. Yeah, it, it's, it's the it's, it's same thing. Yes. All right, we got Ron Ames, another sci-fi producer mogul, <laughs> including Bumblebee. Hey, The Ritual. Hmm? We just watched that. Great horror movie. Another horror movie. Star Trek Beyond. A lot of people from Star Trek yeah. Beyond, I'm noticing. Um, and then some horror or sci-fi movies I've never heard of. Real Steel? Oh my god. It's Hugh Jackman fighting a robot? I don't know. <laughs> no, that looks bad. <laughs> or if we don't know about that movie, it's for a reason. <laughs> that looks real bad. <laughs> Alright, uh, we have Matthew Dunn, who um, did some great sci-fi movies, uh, including... Uh, like the recent Planet Ape movies, so War of mm-hmm. the Planet Apes, Dawn of the Planet of Apes, uh, some Marvel movies, including Iron Man 3, uh, did some X-Men movies, Hangover movies, Hawaii Five-0. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we got some Die Hard movies, fucking, like, Blood Diamond, Night of the Museum. Oh, There's I, some I, good I, movies I, in I like here. Some not-so-great movies, like The Last Samurai. And hostage. Well, let's say well, visually it is pretty good. Visually, sure. And he's a producer, so. Well, he's not responsible for the visuals. Mm, we know. <laughs> Rush Hour 2, X Files, Starship Troopers, Yay. one of your favorites. Like, this guy's got a lot of good credits, okay. I must say. Good. All right, what else? Who else we got? Eugene Kelly. Uh, this guy's done a lot of great TV shows, including Westworld, Boardwalk Ooh. Empire, The oh. Pacific, Rome, Band oh, of Brothers. Bang. Rome is one of my favorite TV shows. And also The Leftovers, over. which I guess was okay. I don't know. I never watched I read I the book. I, I, didn't, know, I, I didn't like it. But so far, this is my, this is my favorite. This guy's great. Yeah. yeah. Eugene Kelly. Let's go. All right. Andrew Lee. Uh, did another a lot of a lot of Star Star Wars movies, a lot of Star Trek movies. <laughs> um, known for like visual effects stuff. So this he's got to be working on the visual effects, but also has a, a producing credit. Yeah, probably will be like a yeah. Jake Rice, uh, Pacific Rim, Godzilla, and Forty Two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the. Well, all the like, sci-fi like a mix movie, bar, yeah. yeah, but... Um, I mean, it's kind of just like you're seeing the same credits now. Like, okay, we got Christopher Newman. Um, he's a second unit director. He's also, like, a second unit director from Game of Thrones and Band of Brothers and Star Wars. So, 
I mean, a lot of similar credits here. I think, I mean, it does kind of give you a good image of what the series is going to be like. I mean, I think we got for everything is a little bit of horror, a little bit of dark. Like, obviously, like a sci-fi, like, because as we mentioned before, it is... I mean, it's the same tropes. Yes. But, uh, yeah, the thing that surprised me, or at least I didn't expect, is kind of leading to dark. Yeah, but that's... I like that. So... Yeah, me too. You know, keep it adult, because... Yes, I mean, again, not like triple X adult, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, like... A a, a mature. Yes. (laughs) Something that's not... For kids. No, no, no. <laughs> like, I, the complexity of it should be above a junior grade level. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so far I have, like, a good feelings from, like, uh, the cast. Yeah, no, I, I, this makes, this kind of reassures me. Especially because I've just had Jupiter's Legacy on my mind. And I'm just <laughs> thinking, like, I, you know, I don't want to get in love with this. I don't want to fall in love with this thing. Right? I don't. I don't want to get attached to this goldfish before it dies. <laughs> don't worry, we'll replace it with another equal. But I know I'm a pretty harsh <laughs> critic at the same time, so I might hate this TV show when it comes out. I don't know. No, I wouldn't love it. Even if it is bad, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we might have more interesting episodes because you'll just be like going on and on about how amazing every episode is, and I'll just be <laughs> screaming at you. What are you? talking about it's awful that's like a small little thing who cares <laughs> oh i can't wait to nitpick the shit out of this tv show <laughs> and you have all of that to look forward to folks all right well i guess we should wrap up yeah i think it's like a go for today we hope that uh come like uh, sooner with our next episode <laughs> yes we're gonna try to get back to our two-week schedule so you can uh, hopefully look for the next episode in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, maybe just on a slightly more selfish note before we sign off, uh, I just did want to plug my short story, which recently won a writing competition. Congratulations. Uh, by the way, a sci-fi writing competition. So if the Lord of the Rings writers are looking <laughs> for more sci-fi authors... Well, you have my Twitter handle. I mean, not for season one, but, you know, season two it is I'm definitely available for season two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the, yeah, the short story is called Connor. I will include the link in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't have any of my Lord of the Rings books next to me to read a quote. So... <laughs> Well, because what do we do? Well, I could read a, a J.R.R. Tolkien quote. Do you want? Do you want to grab tales from the perilous realm? Yeah. All right. So this is written by Tolkien, but it's just like fairy tale stories of his. Dear me, what a nuisance! <laughs> See you in two weeks, everybody. See you.
Welcome to I Hate Your Taste in Movies. I'm Jackie, and I love action movies, but I really hate horror movies. I'm Jen. I love horror movies, but I just can't stand musicals. And I'm Austin. I love all things musical, but I absolutely hate action movies. Join us each week as we share our all-time favorite movies with our friends who will just rip them apart. You can listen to us, I Hate Your Taste in Movies, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at I Hate Your Taste and on Instagram at Hate Your Taste Pod. Join us as we put our friendship to the test every week and learn surprising things about each other. Like how Austin saw the movie Pitch Perfect in theaters 12 times. Which is perfectly acceptable. Or how Jackie played with oil cans as a child. Normal childhood behavior. Or how watching a zombie movie makes Jen want to eat chicken wings. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. We release new episodes every Tuesday. And for the record, I hate your taste in movies.